But lastly, and certainly not leastly here, we have China's economy. China's economy. So very recently, I've started seeing stories about the slowdown of China's economy. And for whatever reason, and maybe it's just me diverging even further and further and further from the political status quo. For, so forgive me if it seems obvious to you, but for whatever reason, I just, there's this undertone of celebration about this slowdown of China's economy that I just don't understand. And to exemplify what I mean, so that you, in case you haven't come across this yourselves, I've grabbed an article from Sky News UK titled, Is China's Economy Running Out of Steam? And so we'll just get into this. And as we go, I'll sort of lay out to you what's being presented here and why it confuses me. So we st this article starts off talking about the economic model of China, saying, quote, the economic model of vast borrowing and building projects worked when China was poor and needed new roads, bridges, and airports. But it is no longer sustainable as the nation finds itself drowning in debt and with nothing left to build, end quote. So right off the bat, we have them pinning the blame of the slowdown of China's economy on their economic model. Right off the bat, they're saying their economic model failed, which will partially, well, actually quite, uh, it'll contradict itself a little bit, but in a significant way later on when they talk about uh, consumers. But remember this. The economic model of vast borrowing and building projects isn't working anymore. That's the the first uh, conclusion that they come to, that they want to push as China is now failing and their economy is now failing. So right off the bat, they lay the, the framework for, oh, China's economy is failing now because this model is no longer working. Uh, the article talks about the unfinished infrastructure projects from bridges and roads to tunnels and the infamous massive yet empty apartment complexes and entire ghost cities that the Chinese have built. Uh, now, granted, we would love some of those in the United States. I mean, you see, especially in like New York or California, God, uh, uh, people live in those cities. I could, you will never catch me paying two, three, four thousand dollars a month. You will never catch me paying that much for anything monthly. Okay, you, you'll ne you're just not gonna get not not rent. Goodbye. I'm. Why would I stay here? I'm being fleeced. I am getting the hell up out of here. Now, granted, that doesn't mean we we should have a mass evacuation of the cities. It means we have issues that should be resolved with building more housing. But that would mean reforming zoning laws and lots of regulations that the current governments of the states don't really want to deal with. But I just find it interesting that having plenty of available housing is a bad thing for a country with a billion and a half people. Uh, it's just, and you'll, you'll start to notice some of these, these things, which when you really think about it, actually might end up being good things. <laughs> but... But I, we'll, we'll continue the article. We'll continue the article. You'll you'll see more of that as we go, and you'll start to notice that the framing of this 
this whole China's economy is slowing down and therefore it's somehow a good thing. You'll notice there's, there's problems with that narrative. I'll just put it that way. So yeah, the, the article talks about the unfinished infrastructure projects in the apartment complexes and it, and it reads, quote, the mighty Chinese economy, uh, oh, let me, let me put the voice on you, quote, the mighty Chinese economy that once delivered seemingly miraculous growth of some 10 plus percent a year is slowing. And, and it continues saying, quote, the economic model of driving up GDP with vast borrowing and building worked when China was poor and needed new roads and bridges, but it, it's no longer sustainable in a modern China that now finds itself drowning in debt and with nothing to build. So they sort of repeat themselves there. And, uh, but you can already see the the, the tone, the, the snarky, uh, self-aggrandizing tone where it's, oh, look, you you made a mistake and now you have to live with the consequences of that. See, you're, you were you were hot. Yeah. You thought we were feeling you? Well, we're not feeling you. You're you were growing at ten percent, but you're only growing at like six now. You're you're slowing down. You're you're broke. <laughs> you it, this. Uh, I almost can't stand listening to myself. The the talking down. The the berate the derisiveness uh, in the tone of this article. And for what reason? Because they have uh, extra housing? Because <laughs> they have massive infrastructure projects that they haven't finished yet? <clears throat> it, but I'll continue. Uh, and they, they say, that, and uh, uh, but before I continue, I, I just want to, since they repeated this, uh, the whole, you can, driving up GDP with vast borrowing and building works when you're poor and you need new roads and bridges and airports, but it's not sustainable when you're a modern country and now you're in debt and there's nothing left to build, well, who gets to decide that? Well, um, not not the whole you're in debt, uh, <laughs> but who gets to decide when there's nothing left to build? Because the Chinese have decided that there's still things to build. <clears throat> so who gets to decide that? What, they, they just have to stop building things? Should they just stop building infrastructure projects because you feel like it? Oh, they they have oh they're having a a slowdown in the economy. So now suddenly the entire the, is they're having one slowdown, and now the entire economic model is just inact inadequate. It's inadequate. It's it's called into question. It's the root cause of the problem. It's like where are you getting this from? So essentially what they're saying is the government building infrastructure projects in their country is bad. And look, I'm a fiscal conservative kind of person, but even I've come around to the fact that the role of government is precisely to build these large infrastructure projects. Now, would, would I approve the government going in debt to do that? Uh, that depends on the project. It, it better be fucking worth it. But you can see the results. The Chinese are, in purchasing power parity terms, the largest economy in the world. And notice how the article only points at infrastructure and the un the unfinished infrastructure at that. 
It only points at those things. It does. It doesn't look at the tens of thousands of miles of modern rail or or the tens of thousands of miles of high speed rail. It doesn't look at all the manufacturing that all the manufacturing and the modern ports and all and the the cities, the thriving cities that have been built from the ground up. Look at Shenzhen. And, uh, down in southern China, where Hong Kong and Macau is, look at that. Look at Shanghai. What Shanghai has become. Look at a lot of these interior cities that are heavily populated. I mean, hell, look at Wuhan. Look at Wuhan. Look at how big that city is. They have a whole Institute of Virology over there. How you? Uh, well, we'll, we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> but you have whole cities that essentially produce the entirety of the world's demand of certain products there's like there's there's a, a city dedicated to building umbrellas in china so uh, it's just it's so immature it's so immature and dishonest the way this article comes at and I, i'm not even really trying to be defending china here but it's just like don't lie to me <laughs> don't lie to me be give me the facts like sure their economy is slowing but to call into question the entire economic model because of some unfinished roads bridges and tunnels and ghost cities uh, and just completely ignore all the other things i mentioned and the fact that this same economic model mind you has made china into the workshop of the world they are the premier manufacturing power they are the largest economy in purchasing power parity terms. That means the yuan goes really fucking far inside of China. It goes really fucking far. And they have massive manufacturing base on top of that. And even in you know nominal terms, they're the second largest economy in the world. And the gap between them and the next guy, even in nominal terms, is ridiculous. It's rid Japan's number three. Do we really believe Japan's economy is catching up to China? No. And, and in purchasing power parity terms, they are the largest. So this economic model of high debt, high construction has made China into the largest economic player on the planet. On the planet. But the entire thing is now called into question because, well... They are a, a developed country. They're a developed country, and their growth rates aren't, aren't going to be as high as they were before. They're supposed to not build infrastructure now. They're, they're supposed to just stop. And sure, you can make the argument, well, no one's living in the cities. Okay. Well, what happens when people do live in the cities? People move. Certain things happen. New industries get built. They're constantly building industries. They're constantly moving along with the Belt and Road. What happens when people have to move to new areas of the country? The buildings are already there. Now, uh, if it was in America, that's wasteful spending, of course. You built a whole city <laughs> and no one lives there. But give, these, these cities have been... If you see the speed at which the Chinese can build a, a skyscraper, well, these cities have sprung up. Give it give it a few a few years like like the chinese like to live where they live where they live where they grow up so you 
give it a, a few decades and see if these see how many of these ghost cities are still ghost cities on the other side. I think the Chinese eventually are going to sort of spread out, especially when you see how overcrowded a lot of their their coastal cities are. You start to spread the manufacturing into the the hinterlands of China, and they start moving into the these ghost cities. Well, now they're not going to be ghost cities anymore. <clears throat> this is something that's going to take time. This is an investment, not a uh, uh, hmm. This is a, a long-term investment, not a short-term investment. That, that's the way I want to put it. And look at me, I'm, I'm defending an economic model that I don't even necessarily want in the United States. Uh, I would prefer much more limited government, where you do large infrastructure projects and you let private business take the reins. But I'm not foolish enough to say that's literally the only way you can ever run an economy or a government. Well, that's, that's just silly. <laughs> that idea of economics... Uh, didn't pop up until what the Renaissance, like, and, and it didn't come into practice uh, until even later on. And my goodness, I mean, it, it's it's like these people who say that uh, the only well who act in a manner where a democracy is the only legitimate form of governance. Everything else is illegitimate. Well, if that's true, then literally every government in human history would be illegitimate. But we have, to, we have to understand and accept that different ways of doing things can and will be done. The Chinese economic model is one of those things. So to say that the entire thing is inadequate now, because the Chinese are growing at 6 instead of 10%, and this is just a number that I've heard, 6%, is crazy to me. It's crazy to me, especially when we get to the other reason why the Chinese economy is slowing down, that they conveniently put in the middle of the article so that we don't, you don't lead with that. <clears throat> but we'll, we'll continue. Uh, where was I? Yeah, it goes, the big, there are big questions about what happens next, the article says. And they then talk about, uh, well, oh, wait, that was, I think that was part of the quote I did earlier with the whole nothing left to build thing. And there are big questions about what happens next. The article then goes on talking about, it, it sort of zooms in on the city of Zunyi, which is in Guizhou province, which is like, Central but southern China. So, like, think of where, uh, say, um, Mississippi. Think of where, actually, no, better yet, think of where Arkansas is in the United States. That's sort of where I would pin Guizhou in China. Not quite on the coastline, the southern coastline, but in the middle of the country to the south, you know. That's where I'd pin Guizhou if I had to draw a parallel so that you understand where we're talking about here in the middle and then to the south but not quite on the coast so they, they zoom in on the city of Zunyi, which is in guizhou province and they talk about how major projects have been built well haven't been finished and then they've been abandoned uh and then they zoom out a little bit onto guizhou province as a whole saying quote in fact Guizhou province, one of the poorest in the country, is also the most indebted with its debt pile over 135% of its GDP. The, this rural province leaned heavily onto the Chinese growth model that for so long delivered such remarkable numbers, huge borrowing, massive investments, and vast building, regardless of whether the projects were needed. Indeed, Guizhou has 11 airports, many quite close to each other, and nearly half of the world's 100 tallest bridges, according to 
state media outlet Economic Daily. So that's the end of the quote. And here again, we hear something that confronts and conflicts with the narrative that, oh, it's just the economic model that they're dealing with. This is the poorest province. In China. <laughs> this is one of the poorest provinces in China that you're zooming in on with these uh, the ghost cities and unfinished infrastructure projects. Well, gee, if it's the poorest place in the country, I wonder why those projects might be unfinished. If no one's, it, it's, it's like they they answer their own questions as they go, but they refuse to take yes for an answer, and then they just keep going so they can push the narrative that China's economy is coming coming down. Look at look at the poor look at one of the poorest provinces in China, and look at how it's not growing. That that's crazy. That's like well, again to to use Arkansas. That's like looking at the GDP of Arkansas and saying, look, the U.S. economy isn't growing. It's like, yeah, you're going to pick one of the poorest places in the country to make this comparison? And then to make the judgment for the entire country as a whole? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and again, I'm I'm not even defending the Chinese growth model here. It, that's their system, and that, that's what they choose to go with. It works for them. But to sit here and lie to me... <laughs> about oh the the chinese economy the, the model the model just doesn't work and we're going to prove it to you by pointing at one of the poorest provinces in china a, a, a admittedly agrarian and rural province the the model isn't working we're building cities in uh, farmland and there aren't a lot of people living on the farmland to come live in the cities it's like well okay well if there's not a lot of people living there cuz it's an agrarian region of the country um, then perhaps that's the reason why the infrastructure projects got started but didn't finish. Where are they going to go to? Uh, they, maybe the people have to move first to justify the completion of these projects. It's like, uh, come on now. It's uh, this. This is that. This is why the the whole obsession with the downfall of China is such a a mind virus. It's it corrupts the mind and gets you all worked up about things that don't have anything to do with you and it turns you into a liar <laughs> it turns you into a liar and you'll believe anything you want to believe so long as it contorts to exactly that what you want to believe <clears throat> i remember i used to be an, an avid listener slash watcher of china uncensored it's a good channel good channel uh but after a while i'm just like dang do I really want to sit and listen to China bad for 10, 15 minutes or, or their, their hour to two hour long podcast I do where they're just, they just sit like, <clears throat> excuse me. It's the, the typical podcast format where you have a lot of people in a room talking about certain topics and their specialty is China. But it's like, do I really want to sit here and, and be, and hear about how Falun, Falun Gong needs to be protected and how I'm the one who has to protect them? Do I really want to sit here and talk about how China is bad and how I'm the one who has to go do something about it when I know damn well that I don't consent to, to being that one. I already know. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to go fight the Chinese. You can go fight the Chinese. You want to, uh, do, I, do I really want to free Hong Kong or is it not my business? Like at a certain point, I'm like, huh, 
what am I gaining out of listening to these people? And they're nice people, and they're a good channel. But what do I gain out of listening to them rant about China all day? And, and what? And even if they're correct in the things that they say, and at this point I've come to dispute a number of things, uh, namely that the Uyghurs, I am now not necessarily convinced that there's a genocide. Now maybe there is, maybe there is, but the Uyghur population isn't going down. It's grown and China has more than enough resources to make sure that's not happening. They put them in re-education camps. Is that authoritarian? Yeah, that's really authoritarian. But is it worth the military intervention? And would the military intervention in its own right be worth it? Well, you have to win first, because what did it take to stop the other genocides, the Armenian genocide, the Holocaust? What did it take to end those genocides? It took a world war, and those were against powers that were objectively smaller than the United States. Turkey, well, the Ottoman Empire, and Nazi Germany. You're talking about a peer power? And you're gonna you're gonna free these people who are in the deepest part of China away, like how are you even gonna get there? Because the Russians aren't gonna let you go. What you gonna you're gonna go through Afghanistan to free the Uyghurs? Good luck getting past the Taliban. They're not gonna let you go either. Pakistan doesn't want any of those problems. How are you gonna get there? China is the size of the United States. How are you gonna free these people? It's like I can understand. The, the sympathy for foreign peoples. But at a certain point, you got to look at a map. How are we going to free Hong Kong from China when they live next to China and they are a city-state? Well, not quite a city-state anymore. How are, we gonna free, how are you going to free Hong Kong when China is the one who annexed Hong Kong? Well, you're going to go fight a, a, another opium war against them? Good luck with that. Freeing Hong Kong... Would be like freeing, freeing Hong Kong from China. Would be like freeing uh, San Francisco from the United States. Now, given the state of San Francisco, some people might welcome uh, uh, relinquishing that territory. I don't. I think we just make it better. But that's the equivalent of what you're talking about here. Now, who in their right mind is going to say that it's even possible to liberate, quote unquote? San Francisco from the United States or Sacramento. Nobody, no, nobody in their right mind is going to say that because it's idiotic. It's insane. And that's what's being proposed with the whole free Hong Kong thing. How are you going to do that? You can't, you can't. And that's something that people need to accept that there are things that you can't do. There are things you can't do. And so at a certain point, it's like, huh, do I want to sit and listen to all these things that sound nice, but that I either don't want to do, don't need to do, or just flat out can't do? And hear China bad all day? What, what, what do I gain from that? And again, I don't have anything against them. I was a very avid listener for a few years, but then I, I gave myself a reality check. I'm like, I am not necessarily gaining from this, especially when they would, they would hop onto the, the China's collapsing narrative Every time something mildly bad would happen in China, it's like, well, okay, well, now it's, I, I, it's not, I can't rely on you for my news. I can't rely on you for my news. 
you're you're biased overtly and you're willing to let those biases carry you to conclusions that the facts do not lead to and so that's where how we get to today <clears throat> where a lot of other people other outlets go along with those same biases and let the biases lead them to conclusions instead of the facts and that's what's happening here so the article continues uh, saying that the model, well, they, they, they essentially say that the model has reached its limits. They claim that 44% of China's economy has consisted of investment, but that the problems still persist. And they then attribute this to a decline in consumer spending. Aha! A decline in consumer spending. And they say, quote, it is largely because other parts of the economy are struggling, exposing the fault lines at its core. Last month, Prices in China actually fell when compared to the same month last year, raising fears of more long-term deflation. Now, I'll, I'll stop there and just say that it's it's really funny to me that they say that prices... Uh, these people have it so backwards, bro. Prices coming down is a problem to them. Pri deflation, long-term deflation is a problem for them. And what would the solution be for the prices to stay the same and to never get lower? Or, or, or would we prefer that China have hyperinflation like we have, where everything get, just keeps getting more expensive? And then we complain about the inflation. Well, the inflation is the problem then. And if inflation is a problem, then that means deflation is the solution. You want prices to go down. You can't just have prices go up and up and up and up and up. That's not how this works. They're upset. Their claim is that China's economy is failing because prices went down. Like, what are the, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's it's crazy, and, and this this is the type of nonsense you'll get from people who go along with these narratives that play into the China bad uh, idea that they have in their head. You will see more of this, just like with all, all those other scares where it's, oh, China's economy is going to collapse. Oh, it's going to collapse. And then it doesn't happen, and then the story just gets glossed on, under the rug. Just thrown under the rug. So here we have another one of those. It, consumer spending. Now, why is the consumer spending down, might one ask? Because we're, we're starting to get to the core of the problem here. Why is consumer spending down? How is deflation a bad a bad thing? Uh, well, we'll get the answer to one of those. It, it, but get this. It's even better. It's even better. Because they say, quote, months of zero COVID rules that saw whole cities plunged into sudden extreme lockdowns destroyed thousands of businesses and vastly depleted family savings. The net result is that people just don't have the money to spend and what they do have they are reluctant to part with end quote so buried in the middle of the article is the actual reason why china's economy is slowing down <clears throat> well on, on top of recessions in the west of course because exports they export to us and if we're in recession then that means less exports you know there's international there's an international dynamic to this but the internal dynamic which is what the article is focused on the answer's right there the answer's right there reduced consumer spending years of lockdown drained people's 
savings and financial resources. So after nearly, and, and, and the irony just gets so sweet and juicy because after two years, if you remember, you know, uh, all, uh, half a million years ago when COVID first began, two, from there on, two whole years of driving, driving the point up our ass about how lockdowns were necessary to fight COVID and, and they were literally banning. People literally got banned off of platforms for so much as questioning the COVID guidance and the policies enacted. Banned, uh, shamed, South, South Dakota and Florida, they were shamed. Oh, you're going to be a super spreader. You're killing grandma if you didn't do lockdowns. So after two years of that, here we have the press coming around to common sense for the sole purpose of dunking on and ragging on China. Insane. Insane. (laughs) This is wild, bro. But it gets even crazier than that. It gets even crazier. Because then they go on to talk about youth unemployment in China. And how it was getting bad. And and how 16-year-olds were at a historic 21.3% unemployment rate. Guys, would someone think about the 16-year-olds? Wait a fucking second. <laughs> the 16-year-olds. The kids in school don't have a job. Unbelievable. <laughs> these people. These guys. Now, maybe, maybe this article is an anomaly. You know you know. Maybe this is this is an anomaly. Maybe this isn't necessarily uh, completely representative of the position. Maybe maybe a, a certain number of the things I pointed out are representative of the anti-China China's going to collapse position. Maybe that I, I I think this article is just a bit hyperbolic because there's no way there's no way uh, you're going to point to y- the youth unemployment of people who are still in high school as a metric for why the Chinese economy is failing there there's no way you come to that conclusion in a there's no way a sane and reasonable person is going to point to people who under normal circumstances probably aren't going to have a job because they're a high schooler in school a student not a college student, not a, a senior, no, a student. You're, they're like in the middle of high school, 16-year-old. And you're going to point to the unemployment rate among the lowest rung of the Chinese workforce, the 16-year-olds, as an example of why the Chinese economy is, oh my goodness, there's, there's no way. There's no way. I, I have to have just picked a bad article. I have to. I ha- I absolutely have to. They're, they're <laughs> As I'm reading this to you now, I'm going, you know what? Maybe maybe these guys are just extreme. Maybe I'm strawmanning the shit out of these people. Or or at least that's what I, I would say if I didn't see all the thumbnails. And and then I see, yeah, yeah, you know, this is this is definitely the things that they believe. Uh, and it's not just the thumbnails. I, I watch the videos ju- every now and then just to confirm that my suspicions are correct because when you stop watching something after a after a while even if you came to the right conclusion like these guys aren't honest with me and so i'm going to stop watching them because they're not honest 
Well, after a certain period of time, that conclusion, which might have been correct in the beginning, starts to become an assumption where you assume that they are still not honest. So every now and then I like to check in on people and sources that I disagree with you just to confirm the bias, just to confirm the bias. And if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. But if I'm right, well, uh, at least I know I'm right. And I'm just going to continue to avoid that. Uh, like I've, I've done that with the mainstream, uh, the propaganda press since day one of the, the Ukraine war. It has served me so unbelievably well, you would not believe. Or maybe you would believe because you've been listening to me. <laughs> thank you to all my lovely listeners. I'll just take that moment to thank you for listening to me rant and ramble. But yeah, so I, I try. I try to interact with sources and people and opinions that I disagree with. Uh, sometimes for the sake of getting a, a different perspective. And other times uh, just to confirm, sort of a, do a, an, an update on my opinion about a certain thing. Is my criticism of them still valid? If it is, well, I'm going to continue to not watch them. And if it isn't, well, I guess I'll give them a shot every now and then. I'm, I'm currently booked. Uh, I can't squeeze in too much extra news. Like I, I, I can barely watch Tim Pool or um, Sticks Hexenhammer because I'm, I'm loaded up on Jimmy Dore, uh, Danny Haifong, Jackson Hinkle, and the Duran. And Steve Turley, like, I can only do so much. I, I can, I, like, I like my off time too. And I, uh, and sometimes I just get burnt out listening to the news. But, you know, uh, with this, I decided, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, I have misjudged them. And maybe I just need to read and see if they've come to some valid criticisms about the Chinese economy to justify uh, the claim. Because maybe this time China is collapsing. Maybe they, maybe this time is the one. You know, a broken clock is right twice, twice a day. Maybe this is that time. So, I read the article. I bit the bullet and I read the article. And well, my bias has been confirmed, and it's even crazier than I thought it would be. Like I didn't expect it to be this bad. Like, I, I really didn't. You're gonna point to the poorest part of the country. <laughs> as a reason why the, the economic model doesn't work, you're going to point to the low, the, the earliest point that people could potentially possibly even get a job in China. And you're going to point to the unemployment rate among those people who really aren't even trying to get a job right now. And you're going to point to them as, oh, look, the Chinese economy is slowing down. Look at how high the youth unemployment rate is. They're in school. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I can't stand you're going to ignore all the the plus sides of the economic model the economic miracle like shenzhen and the massive manufacturing base that china has built up they are the largest economy in purchasing power parity terms and they are bare minimum the second largest in nominal terms you don't get there with a failed economic system you don't get there with a failed economic system so how do they come to this conclusion why do they do these things? Why would they do that? And the the system has failed, they say, and that's the reason China's economy isn't growing. And then and then they point it out themselves. People just aren't spending money like that because their savings were drained by years of harsh lockdowns. The lockdown policy 
is the reason for China's recession right now, or at least on the domestic side, you have recession around the world and China's a major trading partner. So we're, they're sort of importing recession from the rest of the world and primarily from the West. So that's, that's the, the foreign aspect of China going into recession. But the domestic aspect is people just aren't buying shit. And, and you bury that in the middle of the article and then just gloss it over like it's it's not the root cause of this. Like, come on. Th this is so bad. This is such a bad article. <laughs> but I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. Uh, it's... Uh, I say I'll continue, but I, I literally wrote in my notes that I'm going to stop there after the 16th year. <laughs> yeah. So... The first thing I'll say here, since I'm, I'm reorganized my thoughts now, and first thing I'll say is that this whole massive hubbub reminds me of the previous massive hubbub made about how China's economy was in major trouble with Evergreen. You remember that one? Evergreen, the, the real estate bubble, the massive real estate conglomerate in China. How they, they were about to default on the payment. And it was going to bring down the whole Chinese economy, and China was going to collapse in in uh, forty eight hours. You remember that? <laughs> you you remember that? I I remember it, and I remember completely ignoring it because I knew it was some garbage. Because that wasn't the first time. You've had multiple um, little panics about the Chinese economy. For whatever reason, we're we're just obsessed about China collapsing. And for whatever reason, we think that China collapsing is a good thing. Because when you listen to these videos, it's like, oh, hey, China's collapsing. Oh, yeah. You'll see, they they messed up here, 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 and here. And that's why their economy is going to fail. And they're going to collapse. And, blah, 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 blah. and it's it's such a arrogant. There's such arrogance coming from people uh, making these sorts of criticisms. And then they're never correct. And, very, and no one bothers to follow up with the retraction saying, you know what? China's economy hasn't collapsed. Not a single one that I've seen, and I've seen quite a few make these predictions. No one follows up and say, you know, uh, I was wrong about China's economy collapsing in 48 hours. All those thumbnails. No, no, no one made a retraction. No one said, you know, China's economy is, hey, China's economy is actually still kicking. Why is it still? And no one bothers to ask the question, why is it still going? I thought it was the end. How did I get it wrong? There's no self-reflection. There's only arrogance. And the continued assumption that your previous assumption, which was proven wrong, is going to be proven right if you just wait long enough. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's these hysterias. I don't understand them. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not necessarily endorsing China's model. I don't want it. We have our own thing. The American system. And I, I'm still reconciling my my hostility to the Fed with the American system's advocation for a national bank. And I'll eventually figure it out. And I'm, I'm leaning towards, I guess, I guess a national bank would controlled by the government. Cause someone has to print the money. I guess, I guess I defer to the American system. I defer to the founding fathers. Those, those niggas were genius. Collectively. They were genius. I defer to them. Yeah, I'm not even endorsing China's economic model, but don't lie to me. Like, I do believe it's fair to say that China's economy is either in or is headed for a recession. That's reasonable. Their growth rates are slowing down. Demand is depressed because of the lockdowns. And they're a major trading uh, power. 
And the rest of the world, primarily the West and even us here in the United States, is going into recession too. That means lower demand overseas for Chinese goods, which is an eventually going to sort of import a recession into China. I think it's fair to say that they're going into or they're already in a recession. But again, so is everyone else. Germany is in recession. Britain's in recession. France. Uh, the, the, the EU. The United States. We're all going into recession. And in the case of US, Germany, Britain, we're already in recession. You, you see these prices going up. You see the cost of living going up. And you see nothing getting better. You, you can see the pre, uh, production going down. You can see consumption going a little down. You see, I mean, I mean, in the United States, we had like three bank failures, straight up bank failures of a lot of these regional banks. If that's not the signs of a recession, I don't know what it is. So we're all going into recession. So to sit here and mock and deride China's entire economic model because they have us one recession at the same time as everyone else is, is crazy. There's no justification for doing that. And it's dishonest. And it's, yeah, it's, it's dishonest. It's just really dishonest and not informative. Nobody benefited from this article. <laughs> and nobody benefits from this narrative that China's just going to collapse in uh, 24, 48, 72 hours, 76 hours. Or is it 72? 72. No one benefits from this. It's just, it's literally just not true. So why report it? Why go on with this thing that isn't true? People let their biases take them to places instead of letting the facts do that. And, and that and that being said, why is this supposed to be a good thing? Why are we, why are we looking down our nose at China for the, for the economic model because they had a recession? When everyone else is in recession, how is this a good thing? How is this? How is this something worth sneering and snickering at China over? Like, what do we gain from China going into recession? To to warrant the the attitude, you you heard the the tone throughout this article, and this is a tone you'll see repeated not just in our other articles but in the similar videos on this topic. And they'll speak from this in or either either that tone or the the informative. Oh, I'm just giving it to you the the straight facts. China's going down, and, and then there's no retraction when they're wrong. How is any of this a good thing? Because people they they you have these people in the United States, primarily on the conservative side, who sort of celebrate it, sort of passively they celebrate it. It's like how oh, it's a good thing. Why is this worth our time to obsess over? It's and it's not like they're obsessing over it and, and a, oh no, China's economy is gonna collapse. It's a oh look, China's economy is gonna collapse. Uh, how is what does this do for us? It doesn't do anything for us. I mean, China is one of our largest trading partners, our third, if I'm not mistaken, for the United States, and they are the largest trading partner for dozens of countries around the world, including but not limited to. Russia, Brazil, Australia, Japan, and South Korea. Those are heavy hitters economically. So if they are the largest trading partner of these massive economies, especially the Russians and the Japanese, 
if China is going into recession, well, that's going to drag all these countries down with them. And these are some really big economies. So if China goes into recession, these guys go into recession. Now you're talking about recession just uh, being a chain reaction of recession moving across the planet. How does China go into recession uh, warrant snickering and berating at China and, and acting as though we had it figured out when we're in recession our damn selves? It's, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. And again, maybe it's maybe it's because my own personal political developments have led me down such a, a a different path from the mainstream. And this isn't me patting me on my on my back. Although I will say that I have come across, I've rediscovered the one true ideology, and everything else is fake, phony, and false. But I don't understand. Why do we have to be this way? For something that really doesn't matter to us in in that way, like China going down is bad for us. So why do we why do we get all obsessive and slightly celebrative whenever China's economy? Whenever we get the rumor that China's economy is about to go, crash and go down, why why do you get these people go? Oh yeah, China's economy is they're they're going down. They're not going to be a competitor to the United States. They they have the demographic issues. They're going to fade away. Why, why do we want them to fade away? <laughs> they're, they're the third largest trading partner. They're the, they're the manufacturing center of the world. Why do you want them to fade away? How does that benefit anybody? It's it's crazy. The things people will say when they follow this China bad narrative. And, and if China's economy is running out of steam, then again, that will very quickly translate to the entire world running out of steam as well. What do you think happens when the manufacturing powerhouse of the planet has a recession? If they ca- when China sneezes, the rest of us catch a cold. That's how this goes. And and lastly, recessions happen to everyone. Now, the fact that we're in a recession just really doesn't help the case for people uh hyping up the downfall of China. The fact that we too are in a recession here. So, does that invalidate our entire economic model as well? Uh, to which I'd say, well, what economic model? <laughs> but does that invalidate us? Uh, 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 Arkansas is a very poor place. Does that invalidate the entire U- U.S. economic model? Uh, no. Now, do I want the, the current economic model? No. I don't. I want my manufacturing base back. But let's not go, go jumping to these radical conclusions over such flimsy quote-unquote evidence there's no evidence to support the the claim that china's system is failing and that's the reason for the recession when you point out later on that it's consumer it's the consumers who lost a lot of their savings during the lockdowns the lockdowns are the reason for the recession or at least the root cause in that in combination with recession in the west and to blame uh, these infrastructure problems, look, look at the look at one of the poorest provinces in China and see how they're not growing in the same at the same rate as everyone else. This poor agrarian part of China isn't growing as fast as everyone else. So therefore, China's uh, system has failed. Look at the youth unemployment of people who are still in high school. China's economy is failing. It's 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 so dishonest. It's so dishonest, and nothing is gained from pushing this narrative. I mean, and they they talk about how China's 
they have all this debt from these infrastructure projects. We have $31 trillion of debt and climbing fast. And not a high-speed rail to our name. A third of all the dollars today were printed from 2020 onwards. And we have nothing to show for it. So when the crash does come, and it will come for us all, the Chinese will at least have the things that they have built. While we, on the other hand, will be left with just the memories of all the many things we have destroyed. Uh, Ukraine will be among the list. Perhaps Taiwan as well. We'll see. But it's... I'll end it by saying that looking at America can go a long way. It really can. Hyping up the inevitable decline and collapse of China does literally nothing for us or our people, the American citizen. However, focusing on ourselves can, and I believe will, do us many wonders. And that's the, that's the real solution to, to our problems, and that's the real way forward. Not to go find the enemy... Uh, quite frankly, the enemy is our own government. We don't need to go fight a war with China. We don't need China's economy to collapse and cave in on itself. We don't need Russia to collapse. We don't need other countries to be destroyed. We just need to solve our own problems. And that's the solution. So the, the biggest and best takeaway from the these hype, from the, the, the anti-China hype, is that the anti-China hype does literally nothing for you. And that we're better off focusing on our own country. China became the largest manufacturing power on the planet and the largest economy on the planet by focusing on themselves. So, And, and that's during a period of time when we were exporting our manufacturing base. So what do you think would happen if we focused on ourselves? I think great things would happen. And then we would live in peace. Uh, yeah. Now tell me I'm wrong. I don't think so. But that, my lovely listeners, is all I've got for you today. I do hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast on my geopolitical podcast. The world is changing. Uh, the anti-China hype is strong. The war drums are strong. But regardless of how things change, we will have fun watching those changes together. Now, I've been your host, Sean Wade, and you have been listening to This Week in Geopolitics. So till we meet again next Monday. Servus. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.